This week, my guest and I are going to be discussing a difficult topic. Does prayer work? It's not a simple yes or no question, and there's no easy answer. But I think you'll be fascinated by the discussion, and the reasons why both my guest and I pray anyway. Welcome to Signs of the Times Radio. Welcome to Signs of the Times Radio this week. My name is Daniel Kuperek, and with me today I have one of our regular authors, my friend Nathan Brown. Nathan, how are you going? Yeah, doing well. Doing well despite potential coronavirus lockdowns and such in Melbourne at the time of recording. (laughs) Well, it's one of those things that, you know, we all seem to be taking our turns around the country here in Australia at the moment, and... Yeah, it's frustrating, but also, you know, we're trying to do the right thing in caring for our communities and helping each other stay as well as possible. That's right. Just two weeks ago, I was due to go to Adelaide to film a wedding. And Mm. yeah, then we got a few cases in Sydney and you'd you'd think that would be relatively pretty safe. But then like, you know, there was all this speculation about lockdowns and stuff. So it really does change pretty quickly. But before we went on our trip to Adelaide... There were lots of prayers being sent up for the borders to remain open. Now, mm-hmm. the funny thing is that we're actually getting you on today to talk about prayer. Yeah. Because yeah. you wrote an article for us. So this year, essentially, we're running a series where we're, where we're tackling some of life's big questions, questions about Christianity too. Mm-hmm. And the one that we asked for you to write about was, does prayer work? Let me tell you, when I got that... When I got that topic, I kind of had, you know, one of those moments of, what do I do with that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the tricky thing about it, Nathan, and absolutely it's a thankless task because so far we've had our authors look at objective evidence for mm. certain topics. Yeah. Now, how does one simply do that for a topic like prayer, right? And there have been people that have tried to study prayer in an objective way. And, you know, there's some interesting uh, studies that have been done in some of those directions of trying to, you know, do controlled studies of this group of patients in a hospital were prayed for and this group of people in a hospital weren't prayed for, you know, and can we measure any appreciable difference? And, you know, there are people that would point to and say, well, we think that it works better when people are prayed for, but then there are other questions that come about what does that mean about people caring for them and, you know, can you really do a controlled experiment of something that is intangible? And I think there's some fascinating things with that, but I think that ultimately we're moving, as you said, from objective topics where we can have serious and logical arguments to something that is much more experiential and in that way less tangible. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I just want to unpack what you just said, because uh, you're referencing an article that was published in the mid-early 2000s, around 2006. It was a New York Times article. Mm. And pretty much, I'll just read out what some of the the New York Times article had to say. So, they did a, quote-unquote, scientifically rigorous investigation, where they went to 1,800 patients at six hospitals who were receiving coronary bypass surgery and the patients were broken into three groups two were prayed for the third was not half the patients who received the prayers were told that they were being prayed for half were told that they may might or might not receive prayers 
And then there was uh, people from uh, a bunch of different groups who were asked to deliver their prayers. They used、mm-hmm. the patients' first names and initials of their last names. The congregations were told that they could pray in their own ways, but they were instructed to include the phrase for a successful surgery with a quick, healthy recovery and no complications.、Mm. The researchers who ran the study found no differences between the patients who were prayed for and those who were not.、Mm. And、uh, also, it says that a significantly high number of patients who knew they were being prayed for, which is 59%, suffered complications compared to 51% who were, of those who were uncertain. Mm. Now, that in and of itself <laughs> sounds super formulaic, doesn't it, Nathan? That's right. And that, to me, one of the questions this begs is simply if you're praying in a contrived way like this, does that kind of defeat the purpose of, you know, that in some ways, does that undermine what the authentic experience of prayer should be? And so. I just, I mean, I don't think this proves anything one way or the other. Yeah, I know. Very, and, very interesting that they went ahead and did it, though, hey? Yeah, yeah, fascinating. And I, you know, I understand the question. I understand the impulse that people say, well, can we actually measure any kind of appreciable difference here? And, you know, the reality is that, and this getting back to more anecdotal evidence, we all know people that would, you know, if you've been around a church, At any stage, you would come across people who will tell you about what they would consider remarkable answers to prayer.、Mm-hmm. And you would also find people in the, self, in the exact same congregation who would, when they're being honest, would tell you about deep disappointments and tragedies they've experienced you know, that seem to fly in the face of prayer. And, and that's where I really wrestled with this question of how do I be honest to both those things? In writing about it in a, in a relatively short treatment of it for Science Magazine. Yeah, true. And it certainly was a, a very nuanced and balanced approach that you took to it. But maybe before we really jump into to some of the arguments for and against,、hmm. uh, let's define what prayer is. Because you mentioned that you know, <laughs> if you go to a church, you might hear people talking about prayer. Is it exclusively just Christians that pray, or is it a variety of religions? And what indeed is prayer? Yeah, well, in, in thinking about this question, I sort of said, you know, did ask that question is this actually a marker of a religion? So, and I think it, I would probably make the case that in almost all cases, one of the things that makes a religion a religion is this practice of prayer. And of course, it takes all sorts of different forms and practices and customs and, you know, all of those kind of things. But I think that all of those. I think it gets to the point that it's probably even a human experience that、mm. we somehow, and you know, people talk about you know, putting it out to the universe or trying to somehow express our desires, our wishes, our hopes, our fears to something beyond ourselves and not you know, something, I guess, beyond humanity as the, the, you know, the really material human experience. And I, so I. Would say that it's pretty much a marker of anything that's a religion, and then take it a step further and say, you know, even I would say that it's relatively a human experience. And so, in most practices of faith or religion, or however you want to talk about that, I would say that if people are drifting away from that, a lot of people will still pray in some form or another, or on, on certain occasions, even if it is some kind of superstition. 
it's often one of the last things to that people will drop as far as their engagement with a particular faith that they might have grown up with or you know that that even if they're having even if they'll say that they've given up on everything as far as the the faith that they might have formerly had that faith sorry that prayer then becomes that thing that they are quite happy to do when they get in trouble or when they're facing a really tough situation in their lives that they'll pr- throw up a prayer just in case or you know that kind of even if it's in that kind of flippant language and that most often people are quite happy for you and comfortable for you to pray for them even if they don't particularly believe in what or who or how you're praying mm. so nathan prayer can look like different things in different religions now for someone who's looking outwardly in at this whole topic it might seem that prayer is the same thing that just is sent up to different gods or deities mm. um, so my question is for you as a christian what does prayer look like for you is it sort of this classical kind of holding your hands together while closing your eyes in in a quiet room or is it something you do at a specific time of the day that sort of thing yeah And again, this was a question that I appreciated the writing assignment because it made me just ask those questions of, so how much do I actually pray? And and I, as I reflected on it, I said I actually pray quite a lot, despite the fact that I don't claim to have all the answers about how it works. Or and we'll talk about that a little bit further. But I practice prayer, and that and it is a part of my life. And I paused and said, "Well, I actually pray most days quite a few times." I have a practice or a habit of praying before I eat in what people would call grace. And I think that that process of pausing and giving thanks and being grateful for what we have and the provision of life to us and all those things, I think that's a great spiritual practice because it just is is one of those regular occasions because we all eat most of the time on a regular or semi-regular basis. Mm -hmm. And that gives us uh, just a prompt to pause and acknowledge something beyond ourselves. I also pray with my wife at home. We do that most evenings. I I pray quite a bit in the context of the work that I do with fellow um, staff members and when we're working on projects and having meetings and some of those kind of things. And probably the most meaningful prayer that I do on a regular basis is when I'm walking the dog. And I usually, my regular routine for for going for taking the dog for a walk is that I walk and run a little bit uphill mm-hmm. and then when I'm coming home downhill that the walk home is devoted to praying and I pray for some of the things in my life my family my friends for projects that I'm working on and things that I'm uh, involved with for uh, some of the larger things that I'm a part of and for issues in the world and for you know places of injustice and trouble and some of the things in the world that really do require good things and I believe that one of the meaningful ways that we have of responding to all the trouble in the world around us is to pray for those situations and to trust put to put our trust in God that there are bigger things and that also that there are good people working in those difficult places and contexts and that they need strength and perseverance in the face of what they do and so I'll pray for people that I know who are working in those places and sometimes even just generically for people who are trying to do good in those situations and so that's one of the ways that I engage with the world around me on a regular basis. It's really interesting what you're saying Nathan because you're you're pretty much saying that prayer is not just a list of requests being Mm. sent to God it's more than that isn't it? Yeah 
And and I get to the end of that, and, you know, I get back to my front gate, and my closing of that prayer is, God, thank you for the opportunity to go for a walk with you this morning. Yeah. And and to me, that's a, you know, that's a practice that I've been doing for quite a few years, and so my physical fitness is connected to my spiritual connection to God, and uh, my dog's happier for it too. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. One thing I've noticed recently, Nathan, I don't know if you did too, is that whenever something bad happens in another country, like let's mm-hmm. just say the, the Beirut explosion that happened semi-recently, yeah. a lot of people go on social media and start writing hashtags, pray for this in this place, pray, pray for yeah. this in this country. What exactly are we praying for? Like, if we just sort of slow down and think about, are we pray- praying for healing? Like, why is why is it that even people who are potentially agnostic or atheist, you know, mm. are willing to pray for a certain place or certain people? Yeah, it's a, an interesting thing. And, of course, you know, I'm a little cyn- cynical of the, the hashtag culture and what that really means. But... I also am open to and happy to look for the good in people expressing those kind of sentiments. I think that, you know, we recognise that some things are just bigger than us and there's little that we can do at times from, you know, a, a disaster that might be unfolding on the news or, you know, we can feel our frailty, our mortality, helplessness in some of these things. And I, I to be honest, I think that the media adds to this kind of sense of learned helplessness that all these headlines and things roll over us without us really considering that we could do something about it or make a difference and I think prayer is actually a really healthy way of responding to some of those things because I think that we recognize that there are bigger forces than us in the world we also recognize that there are real human beings that are experiencing these things that are suffering as a result of them, that are working to survive through them, but also that there are real human beings that are on the ground working for good mm. and seeking to help and to heal and to, you know, work for, you know, helping in that situation. And so there, you know, I've had in the opportunities that I've had to, in some of the work that I do with justice agencies and organisations around the world to actually meet some of those people. And I've told them I, I've never met you before, but I've prayed for the situation in which you work and for the people who help them and you know who are helping there. So that means I have prayed for you very specifically in the past. And I think that's such a, it's an empowering thing. It's not all we should do in some of these situations, but at times people have talked about how, you know, great Christians of the past have spent much time in prayer. And I think that one of the ways we can, you know, there's kind of something that, particularly I think perhaps for our busy contemporary minds we say well you know after we've listed off you know all our families and friends and put them all before God what do we pray for about then and there's plenty of things to pray for in the world and I think engaging meaningfully reflectively with some of these things and just opening our heart and people will often say that that praying is not just speaking it's also listening and so it's it's basically wrestling through some of these things in the context of our understanding of god and you know uh, that i think is a can be a healthy thing to do and in another way it's also saying god i trust you with it 
that in the midst of it all, I'm not saying that God is responsible for it or that God causes it or anything like that, but that God uh, is at work in the world even despite and amidst the tragedies that we see around us. One of those fundamental points there that you make, which is that God works in mysterious ways. Now, Mm. I don't know if it's been the same for you, but there have been times when someone has told me that I've been an answer to prayer. Now, Mm -hmm. when I went out and did a certain thing, like, for example, helping someone out, I -hmm. didn't wake up that morning and God told me to help that person out. I just, I went and did it. And it, it's like the circumstances of, of life. They, they happened to pray for that thing to be done beforehand. And Mm -hmm. then I, when I did it, it was like God had his hand over that situation potentially. I'll give you another example. So I proposed to, to my girlfriend recently and she said yes, Mm -hmm. thankfully. Um, Congratulations. Thank you very much. The circumstances <laughs> that led to that though, are pretty interesting because it was actually a, a super rainy day when I was planning to do it. So mm-hmm. I prayed that morning to God, please give me a sign that I know that I should propose to no- no- my girlfriend today. And mm-hmm. then about two hours later, my mate texts me and he says, hey, let's go to the Blue Mountains, which is where I was planning to do it anyway. He said, mm-hmm. "Hey, let's go there and check out some waterfalls because it's going to be look it's going to look epic in the rain." And mm-hmm. for me, that was an answer to prayer. That was God giving me the answer that, "Hey, you should go do this today." Whereas for other people, I don't know, like it, maybe it's it's something that hasn't happened like that in the past, and that particularly extends to a few people that, who have written a few responses about prayer online. I just want to read them out to you mm-hmm. if you, if that's okay, and then I'll get your response to some of them. So I went on Reddit. And one person wrote, the key for believing in the prayer is to make sure that no matter what outcome happens, you find a way to credit credit it to God anyway. Uh, <laughs> yep. Interesting response. Another person wrote on a forum, often people share anecdotes about times when they prayed and received what they prayed for. They use this as evidence of for God's existence. However, they never report the times they prayed and nothing happened. This is mm. confirmation bias. Yes. I don't know the name of it, but it is a fallacy to say that because event A, prayer, occurred before event B, event A caused event B. It may or may not have. I find that this is often used as a win-win situation. If prayer works, it reaffirms a belief in God. If prayer doesn't work, well, then it was God's will and part of his plan. However, if God has has a set will and plan that he follows, then why would your prayer have any influence? Unless God's plan is based on if you pray for a specific event to occur, but then it's your will as well as his will. But would God really decide to let your grandma either die from or survive cancer based on if you prayed for her? Mm. Very, yeah. yeah there's, some, there's some massive questions in the midst of all that, you know, about what what God's will is, about our, you know, what impact can we have on God, about... Yeah, so we, we, we're not going to solve all those questions in this brief chat, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Can I just chime in there with, with my own personal experience? Yeah. So my father was a pastor, a religious minister, mm. and he passed away in a car accident in 2005 in the midst of his ministry. He was a healthy person. He, he just tragically died. Yeah. Now, at the time... You know, my family, a lot of people in our church congregation had questions about why God would allow such a thing to happen. Mm. And indeed, those questions were ones we wrestled with for for many years. And there is no specific answer still to why my dad was allowed to die. And yet, a few years ago, I found peace in knowing that 
the circumstances that surrounded it, God must have had a reason for that to happen. I still don't know what the answer is, but I, I have the peace that I know that there, there is a re- reason and that one day, you know, when we join God in heaven, that we'll find out what that reason is. And, you know, we, we, we still prayed throughout that process. And mm. because of God's guidance, a lot of things he, he, he provided for us, essentially. He provided for us despite this tragic thing happening in our lives. Yeah. And, and I affirm your faith in that situation, and I've had similar experiences in my family. But I would also, and without in any way trying to criticise you know, what you've arrived at and your understanding of it, I think sometimes we're in a bad place and bad things happen and God doesn't have a reason, I think they just happen. And maybe that's a bit too nihilistic and maybe not fully consistent with, with a faith in God, but I, you know, there are some things that you know, I've experienced that I've seen others experience that are just tragic and horrible and there's nothing good in them. And the only good that, we, that can come through them is persevering through them and continuing to seek to live well and live faithfully despite it, not because of it or anything like that. And, yeah, so, again, it's, it's such a complicated and difficult thing. And, and that's when it came to writing this article, you will attest as the editor that I missed my deadline a couple of times <laughs> because I was really wrestling with those kind of things and I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to either diminish people who recognize God's answers to their prayer and that that's a really good and powerful thing and important part of their faith or those people who have experienced those deep and tragic disappointments and and the seeming silence of God and the the non-answered prayers and you know we can talk about sometimes that I prayed really hard for a sunny day and and that didn't happen but there are much more profound and tragic things than that and I think that that, yeah, I think we just need to be really careful with some of the absolute claims that are sometimes made in the name of faith because then we add extra layers of guilt and complexity to already tragic and complex and difficult situations. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Mm. So I actually have a mate who he struggles with the, the answers to prayer and mm. prayer is one of those complex topics that he, he just wrestles with and he, he doesn't have the answers or the solace in it as say for, for example someone like myself would where I'm you know content in that God told mm. me to to propose to my girlfriend on this and this day right mm. and that yeah and I also think and again not wanting to metaphorically or literally rain on your wedding parade but that doesn't mean that you there won't be difficult times in your relationship. Mm. You know, it's not that suddenly that Christians have this magical path through and above all the difficult things of life because that just isn't the reality that we live in. And so we we need to be alert to those you know, to those signs of goodness, to the signs of God's affirmation and God's withness with us. But we also need to i think not rely on them for our faith mm. and yeah and one of the you know often one of the and i got to this in the context of the article that i wrote one of the things that is kind of the cynical way that god you know the prayer is talked about is kind of the vending machine model mm. where you say the right words you press the right buttons you put in the right 
you know, give the right offering or whatever, however you want to term it, and then press the button and you get the answer. Mm. Now, one of the problems with that is when the answer doesn't come in the form that you expected or in the way that you want or is even just met with silence, that means the vending machine is broken. Mm. And then with one bad experience of that, you write off the vending machine and you won't trust that vending machine again. But God isn't interested in a vending machine relationship with us. Mm. And that's, you know, and so that means we don't judge God by you know one experience or even a series of experiences that don't seem to work the way we are because the the a better way of talk better language for talking about prayer is it's really an active part of a relationship with another being with God and so that isn't dependent on whether you know that transaction is successful yeah you know, it's it's a much bigger nuanced relationship with that and i you know i, I think there are there are legitimate times where god's non-answer and there are examples of this in the bible such as the story of job where he sort of says well i've done everything that should get protection for me and my family and his friends are telling him that as well so you and their conclusion is well you must have done something wrong Mm. for all these things to go wrong for you and for your prayers to go unanswered. And Job says, well, I don't think that's really right. I think that there must be something else going on or there must be some reason that only God can understand that is why this doesn't seem to be working for me. And But he still says, but, you know, I believe that somehow God is good. God is better than what I'm experiencing at the moment. And so I will continue to trust him, even though there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence for it. And that's, I think, the bigger and more and the deeper kind of faith that the Bible and the best of religions would uh, draw us towards. So would you say it's a bit of a myth that the stronger one believes in God, the stronger their faith is, the more likely they are to have a prayer answered? Is that a bit of a myth? (laughs) I would say the people that continue to trust God in the seeming absence of God or the non-answers of their prayers are perhaps the ones whose faith is are the, you know, whose faith is the strongest. That's I mean again this gets really complicated and we start tying ourselves in knots and so you know I don't want to get to the point of saying well if God never answers my prayer that must mean I have the strongest. So I just don't think there's any hard and fast rules on it and that like any relationships there are uh, moments there are things that we don't understand and there are things that we we need to try and learn about the person that we're in a relationship with and sometimes they are more those things are more important and the continuing growth and deepening of that relationship is more important than getting a particular answer in a particular moment that's right you mentioned in your article one thing that i, I want to sort of focus on now which is that the parental relationship. Now, mm. now you've been mentioning a, a few times throughout this podcast that prayer is part of maintaining a relationship with a higher power. If you're a Christian, it's part of maintaining a connection with with God. Mm. Now, what what do you mean by God being like a father? And in in what ways is is praying essentially likened to a request or communication with one's parents? 
Yeah, that's a, and that's an interesting one and also a fraught one because not all relationships with parents are positive. Some of them are you know, downright abusive or neglectful or whatever. So even we have to step into this, the, this language very carefully. Mm. But it is probably the language that Jesus used most often to, in, t- in talking about prayer. And I guess that's one of the reasons that I give in this article for why we should pray. Because if we are followers of Jesus as Christians, Jesus said to pray. Mm. And he taught his disciples how to pray. That was one of the most explicit things that he said, okay, this is how you do it. And he gave the prayer that has become known as the Lord's Prayer, which begins with our Father. So is trying to build that kind of somewhat, you know, quite, a, quite an intimate relationship a personal, a very personal relationship, and that that should be what we can grow towards as we we get to know God by His actions in history, by His actions in the world, by His actions, and our own experiences in our lives. And Jesus also uses that image a few other times. You know, He at one stage He talked about you know if your children ask you for something, are you going to give them something less than that? Mm. You know, if you have the ability to give them bread, will you give them a rock um, when they ask for bread? And and then he says, you know, how much more will your Father in heaven give you what you ask for? But again, it's with that parental oversight that often parents know better what their kids need than kids do. And you know, and there, so there's there's a mix there, and sometimes that, you know, and I guess there's. A, an imbalance in the relationship as far as wisdom and experience and knowledge and understanding that we know a lot less about life, we know a lot less even about ourselves often than we can trust that God knows about us. And so that's the relationship that Jesus taught his disciples to look towards, something that is trusting. And I think that's such a significant word, is to trust our lives to the goodness of God, and and I guess to our, conversely, to our lack of understanding the beginnings and ends and the ins and outs of, of some of the things that we might be looking for. And again, so this becomes less about a series of requests or pressing buttons on a vending machine and more about growing a relationship where we can come to understand more about God and to see more of the world through, from God's perspective. Mm. I just want to quickly chime in with one point about something you mentioned a little bit earlier, which is about God being described as a father and how that might lead to, to complications for people who did not have a good relationship with their father. Now, this mm. this book that my, my dad read, and I subsequently read only a few years ago, it's called The Embrace of God by Dr. Lloyd Erickson. I don't know if you've read that book, Nathan. But I would, I would highly encourage anybody who is, is struggling with the concept of that to read that book because it, it aims to, to sort of unpack or compare or sort of dispel the myth of, of God as a father that might be a tyrant as people might experience or someone who is abusive or whatever. Because when God is described as a father in the Bible, for some people that might be a bit of a trigger because they didn't have positive experiences in that area. So mm. this book really unpacks what that parental sort of aspect of the relationship is like a few years ago i was asked to preach a sermon on father's day and at a at a church and i you know am not a father and so have had limited experience in that regard 
And so I simply talked about God as Father and used the Lord's Prayer as the model for that and borrowed an idea from N.T. Wright in a book on prayer that he'd written where he talked about that the rest of the the Lord's Prayer actually define what God means when he when what Jesus meant when he talked about God as Father mm. and the different aspects of of that relationship that are then unpacked in the rest of the prayer and so when we when we kind of use the rest of the prayer to understand what we mean by uh, father then we're really using that word in the best possible way and something that you know in reality no human father can live up to but and so in in presenting that in a in a sermon context i actually said so let's preach this the let let's pray the lord's prayer backwards and so I started at the beginning of the prayer, sorry, at the end of the prayer and moved through until we got to, and when we put all this together, we have Jesus, we have a picture of Jesus' understanding of what he meant when he used the term Father, and that that's reclaiming that term from how it is in so many ways disappointing uh, mm. in many people's experiences and putting it back to Father as it ultimately should be. Maybe it'd be worthwhile just reading out the the Lord's Prayer in full for anyone who might be interested. What we're mm. referencing here, you don't mind if I if I read it? Yeah, so, no, that's fine. The Bible says, "This then is how you should pray: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one." Now, let's just spend a, a short moment just sort of really unpacking this. What are the components of this prayer? Like, how is it structured exactly? Yeah, well, pretty much it's putting God first mm. it, and putting his will and his purposes, his kingdom, his plans for our world and then to for our lives. In a way, it's a prayer of submission to God's will and God's bigger purposes and plans, and I think that's a pretty good place to start, just to have that that kind of perspective so it's putting everything in a god in a, from a god god's view perspective and i think that's a really valuable thing but then it's also very specific and practical and so the the last parts of the prayer from you know the food that we eat to some of the burdens of guilt and psychological baggage that we carry to the real risks that face us of evil in the world around us and all of those things are remarkably practical. You know, I do think that there is, you know, while we talk about, you know, we say, we might be sort of perceived as talking about, well, it's less about the, the, the practical things of our lives and more about this kind of much more abstract relationship that we might be talking about. I think that this grounds it back into a really practical focus on living our lives well mm-hmm. and that a life lived in partnership with God is something that acknowledges his uh, larger perspective, acknowledges our dependence upon him and the good things that he provides, but also is just very practical in how we live, how we forgive, how we seek the best for uh, ourselves, our families and our communities. And I think that we should we should have a keep in mind a perspective that so much of our our faith as Jesus taught it is more practical than we often assume. Mm. 
for someone who might be listening to this first for the first time and be keen to have have a crack at this, what's some advice that you would give to someone who wants to to say a prayer or say a prayer that they feel like needs to be more structured or or any of that sort of thing? There's the formulaic approach that it seems mm. that the <laughs> The people took in in regards to the eighteen hundred patients in those six hospitals. <laughs> is it is it about structure or is it about just keeping it personal? Like, what's your advice, Nathan? I th- I don't mind either way. I think there's a place for praying, and at times I've prayed the Lord's Prayer as a as a practice, and then you're less focused on making up the words and then letting the words speak to you. So I think that there's a place for written prayers and for historic prayers and for the Lord's Prayer as kind of these forms of prayer that are given to us. That, And when we can spend time just reflecting on those things and praying them to ourselves or out loud or as a group, I think there's a place for that and I think that those prayers can have value. And I also think there is a place for you know going for a walk with God and simply talking about the things that you're happy about, stressed about, afraid of, excited about, and having that kind of more authentic relationship and conversation with God. So I think there's a place for both. And I think that, you know, Anne Lamott put out a book a few years ago of her formula of prayer, which was simply help, thanks, wow. Hmm. And that that was the order that we usually pray in because we get prompted to pray by things that uh, pressing needs but also we need to give thanks and also need to be open to the wonder of of God of who God is and of the goodness of the world around us yep. so I think that that you know prayer can be quite simple it can be short it can be complicated and long it can be all sorts of variations in between and really it's just a matter of trying it and and I think at times some of those you know, the Lord's Prayer and other written prayers can be a way of getting us into it, but maybe we also can move beyond that and make it more personal and more simply reflective of who we are and where we are at at the time. Mm, indeed. Now, Nathan, you're an editor for Science Publishing Company, which distributes many books. Hmm. Uh, is there perhaps any materials that you guys have got that you'd probably recommend for someone who's keen to, to read up more? Well, obviously, first of all, we want to recommend that people jump on to our website and read your article, Does Prayer Work? But if, if they're looking to go deeper, is there indeed anything that's sort of from the, the top of your head that you could recommend for someone to, to buy and have a read through? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of books on prayer. It's actually one of the perennial best-selling categories in the Christian book-selling market, which I think is a fascinating thing it's something that people are definitely curious about and wanting to find answers to and trying to work out how to do it better and how to make sense of it we published a book a few years ago called keeping connection which was a a relatively little book written by a pastor in Papua New Guinea Mm -hmm. and he brought in some of his cultural backgrounds and some of his own stories as well into some of these questions of prayer and I appreciated that book and we I think we have shared it through Science magazine in the past but that's still available so yeah that's that's one that just comes to the top of my mind but yeah I think that a lot of Christian writers get to the point of exploring the concept of prayer because it is such a 
a critical part of what we perceive as a healthy spiritual life, but is also something that is somewhat intangible and there's lots of questions and complications around it as we've discussed a little bit this morning. So, yeah, I'd look for some of the books from some of the more well-known Christian authors who have spent time wrestling with that. And, yeah, I think there's some good things around. Absolutely. And if there is someone who's listening to this who is keen to, you know, obviously we have the limitations of 45 minutes to discuss this stuff and it's such a huge topic that, you know, there's a lot of nuances to it. And certainly if someone is struggling with this topic, uh, there is a place that you can get in contact with us. It's actually on our website. So if you jump on signsofthetimes.org.au slash help, in there you can write any questions you may have. You might even have a a prayer request. Mm -hmm. We can get you in touch with someone on our pastoral team who can, you know, pray with you even on the phone if you'd like or or have a chat to you or indeed you can get in contact with Nathan or myself if you have any further questions. And I'm sure um, you wouldn't mind uh, answering a few of those as well, Nathan, or, or at least discussing them with that person. To the small degree that I can claim to be able to answer some of those questions, that's uh, <laughs> an interesting an interesting challenge. But yeah, I think it's something that and it's one of the things that you know church communities and faith communities do is to pray together mm. and to wrestle with what this means and so i think that's part of the that's part of the spiritual reality of uh, living well living well in a spiritual sense is um seeking to pray as part of a community and praying with others is is you know is a long time spiritual practice and in many cultures and so that's something to explore as well is find a community of people that you can pray with 100% Nathan I really do appreciate that you wrote this article and were willing to tackle this topic because it's 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 a difficult one we as humans I don't know any human who has the full answers on prayer we're all unpacking it together as as we go along in our lives so I really do appreciate that you you know tackled the nuances and and acknowledged like hey there are some things that I don't understand there are quite a few of those I mean no person probably that I've met has the answers on prayer so you know it's it's something that we're discovering together so I really do appreciate you uh, writing that and also joining us on the podcast Nathan yeah that's cool not a problem today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine a subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year to find out more visit signsofthetimes.org.au in Australia or signsofthetimes.org.nz in New Zealand.